Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and a warm welcome back to my Friday Five, my weekly look at some of the more interesting things that have caught my eye in the wonderful world of well-being. And this week I have yet another nutritional myth to unpick and debunk. Oh, I'm sure you know me by now how much I love a good myth buster. And this week is no exception. It may truly surprise you. But before we take a deep dive into all this, it's been a really good week actually for podcasts. Thank you so much for all your comments and feedback. I hope you caught this week's episode of the Lizard Wellbeing Show, which went live on the podcast airways on Wednesday. This week I was joined by Mo Godat, the former chief business officer at Google, no less, who describes how despite having all the trappings of success, money, luxury lifestyle, gorgeous family, etc. He did not feel truly happy. He shared with us his mathematical equation for achieving true happiness. And it really is a fascinating listen, especially as we went on to talk about how he lost his son due to an error with a routine appendix operation. Absolutely tragic. And how he is still managing to find happiness after great loss. It's a very uplifting listen. And I do highly recommend this one. Well now, let us crack on with some myth-busting, and I'm delighted this week to be joined again by Dr. Zoe Harkham, a truly great analytical brain with a passion for public health and nutritional healthcare. Now, each week, Zoe sends out a clever and cutting-edge review of one of the latest studies to be in the news. Her analysis is absolutely first-rate and totally forensic. And this week, she's been looking at that old adage, five a day. Surely pretty uncontroversial and undisputed, you might think. Well, take a listen to what she has to say here. And five a day? Yeah, it might just make you think again. So Zoe, a warm welcome back. It's lovely to have you back here. We had such a, an interest in the last podcast that we did together when you were debunking, I think it was the egg debacle and linking eggs to diabetes, which you managed to blow out of the water. So welcome back here today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be back. 
No, it's it, it's always good to do a little bit of myth busting. I'm looking forward to this one. So before we get into it, for those of you who haven't heard me here before chat with you, would you like to just talk a little bit about your background and how you come to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, I'll give you a really, really quick history, actually. So um, Cambridge, um, maths, economics, had a proper career, as my mum would say. Um, ended up in human resources at a very senior level. So part of my fascination is why people do what they do and what motivates people. And then in 2008, left to follow my passion, which has always been to try to understand obesity. Why is there any when it's the last thing that people want to be? And that inevitably takes you into diet, dietary advice, dietary guidelines. So I then did a PhD in the dietary fat guidelines between 2012 and 2016. Um, So I'm probably one of the world's most read people on saturated fat, which um, is, is probably a bit of a killer at a dinner party, if anybody asks. Oh, my goodness. You'd be my favourite guest to sit <laughs> next to, I tell you. There you go. But of course, you inevitably look at all dietary guidelines as you're going through this process and not just the two that were part of my PhD, which is the 30% limit on total fat and the 10% limit on saturated fat. So that's my um, that, that's my real baby. But um, yeah, just fascinated generally in what we're telling people to eat and is it evidence-based, et cetera. Absolutely. Those crucial words, evidence-based, that we love here. Now, I subscribe to your newsletter, which comes out on a Monday, and I really always look forward to it because you take uh, a study or a piece of information and you unpick it. I mean, you are forensic in the analysis of it because, as we've seen with you know various studies, I was talking recently about the ivermectin report in JAMA, et cetera. It's really important not just to read the headline, but to go into the detail of the study, you know how it was conducted, what the outcomes really were, rather than often sort of the clickbait conclusion that comes as a headline. And this one really struck uh, me when I read it, because you're talking about five a day. And five a day is a phrase, an expression that is so ingrained in our culture. You know, everybody, even my smallest children will say, oh, I'm going to have my five a day, mummy. You know, it, it's just, it seems that it's been around forever. It seems that it's totally sensible, must be evidence-based, surely. And so to read your review of how the five a day came about and what it actually means and doesn't mean, was just riveting. So would you like to talk us through it? Yeah, sure. So I actually first looked at this one. I wrote an obesity book in 2000, well, it was published in 2009. And it was called The Obesity Epidemic, What Caused It and How Can We Stop It? And I went through everything from the calorie theory, the three and a half thousand calorie theory, which of course has no evidence, um, the dietary fat, um, and then ended up in the carbohydrate chapter looking at five a day. And just did some research at the time because I was curious to know where it came from. And one of the most important things to explain to people when talking about evidence base is that for something to be based in evidence, the evidence has to come first. And that just seems so obvious, but it is a concept that has completely escaped bodies like Public Health England or the CDC in America, um, etc. They just don't get it. They seem to think that it's okay to have picked up some advice. So uh, if we go back to five a day, um, my research showed that five a day was developed in 1991 at a meeting in California between an organization called the Produce for Better Health Foundation and the National Cancer Institute. And the Produce for Better Health Foundation at the time was basically a who's who of people who would benefit if we ate more fruit and vegetables. And it was about 20 organizations at the time. And if you look at their member list today, it's more like 130. And at the time, um, five a day was coined. McDonald's, surprisingly, was one of the organizations involved. Nowadays, you've got companies that you would more expect, I guess, of Dole, 
um, the fruit and veg companies, um, Driscoll Berries, Pottenden Potatoes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. anyone and, is, and obviously California being a real hotbed for growers. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of monoculture of, of, of agriculture growing fruit and veg. So you can see that that would be in their in their interest. They would totally. think, great idea. Let, let's do this. Yeah. And, and logistics companies in that field as well. So people who move fruit and veg. Um, which is a very lucrative thing to do as well. So those were the two organisations involved. Um, and if people say, well, why five? I mean, the only thing I can answer is, well, why not? Um, the number of digits really? on one hand, um, they they almost certainly sat, you can imagine these people sat around the table, they've had a really good meeting, maybe over a day or so, they get to the end of the meeting, they say, right, let's have an output. Um, let's have a little slogan where people eat a certain number a day and they'll have debated it and someone will say, well, three, well, no, you know, if only they could do five, that'd be much more lucrative to us. You know, seven, well, that's a bit of a stretch, you know, seven, what about five? I mean, it, it will be no more scientific than that. And suddenly we have five a day and the National Cancer Institute then trademarked five a day. So they actually own the trademark to it and they have defended that trademark as well. So when the dairy organisations tried to come up with three a day, Five a day from the National Cancer Institute actually waded in and said, no, 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 you can't have five a day, uh, three a day, because it's going to confuse people with our five a day. So they're really, really, yeah, they're really precious about it. So that was back in 91. And and of course, because it wasn't evidence based, it's, it's mutated. So when I looked for my obesity book at that time, different countries had four a day or six a day or five fruit and two veg or five veg and two fruit. I mean, it was just all over the place because that's what happens when something isn't evidence-based. And then you find that you have five a day coordinators. You actually have people in public health office who have jobs called five a day. I mean, I want to call them like Mickey Mouse coordinators or fairy story coordinators. Because they might so they're, they're, they're employed to, to promote a, a marketing slogan yeah. essentially for, yeah. for the public health. Yeah. But surely, just, just jumping ahead here, you know, any initiative to get us to eat more fruit and veg is going to be good, isn't it? What a great question. That is exactly the question that I asked at the end of the chapter in my obesity book. I said, okay, so it wasn't evidence-based, and we can come on to last week's paper at some point or, or not. It's still not providing us with any more evidence-based today wasn't evidence-based at the time, but surely it's a good thing. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly the question that I asked. And I decided that it wasn't a good thing for a number of reasons. First one being that if you think of the opportunity cost of hammering home that message, which makes no difference whatsoever, when we could have hammered home a message that said, let's say, for example, eat real food. Imagine if eat real food was well known as eat five a day. We would have made so much more progress. My second point was if we'd have said to people swap five a day, that might have been better because people actually think they need to eat whatever they want to eat, whatever they fancy. Oh, but I then better go and get my five a day on top. So then they start right. trying to have a glass of fruit juice in the evening, which is just all on top of, of what they have been having already. Then they do. I, I love that idea. Swap five a day. Yeah. So swap out five processed foods with with five to fruits and veg. Totally. Right. Yeah. But then mm. why would it be? five fruit and veg why would it not be the most nutritious foods why would it not be swap yeah. out your worst foods and put in your what could be your most nutritious foods which would be we've said things like this before liver sorry sardines a green leafy vegetable probably sunflower seeds and probably eggs or dairy um but no they didn't do that and then people do bad things trying to get their five a day so you've got mums adding sweet corn or pineapple on top of a pizza 
oh, I must have my five a day. How do I get that? I know I'll open a tin of pineapple and put that on my pizza. Yes, mm. yes. And you've really, really, really missed the whole point of, of what's healthy and what's not. Um, and then, of course, it's not good for the increasing number of people who are carb sensitive, pre-diabetic, type 2 diabetic. Because um, basically, to, to sum up this um, using Gary Taub's expression, if you're overweight, fruit is not your friend because fruit is essentially sugar with a few nutrients, but nowhere near as many nutrients as you might think. And if you don't believe me, go and check the nutritional value and stack it up against liver or sardines and you'll be sorely disappointed. It's absolutely scrumptious. I mean, I would eat fruit all day long if it had no impact on weight and blood glucose and type 2 diabetes and all the rest of it. But I know it does. So I'm not going to go that route. I don't want to be diabetic at any point in my life. That is so interesting. So what about the fibre question then? Because we are hearing more about fibre and I think people understand that fibre is not just the brown stuff. It's not just whole grains and, and unrefined carbs. There are lots of lovely fibrous bits in stringy vegetables, particularly fibrous greens, which beloved of our microbiome. Surely, you know, the, the fibre side is good too. Well, not for everyone. Um, I mean, if you want to Google my name and put in the word fibre, there's a, a presentation out on the internet um, where I was having a lot of fun at a low-carb conference over in the US. It was a really good audience of about a 1,000 people. So I, I had quite a lot of fun. It's only about 28 minutes long or something. Um, and I basically shattered the fibre fiber myth as well um, because we don't need fibre. Uh, we have zero need for carbohydrate and all fibre is a subset of carbohydrates. So de facto, we have zero need for fibre. Now We so don't need fibre, but what, but what about you know things like bowel movements? And, and microbiome health. How can you say we don't need fiber? The more you put in, the more has to come out. So if you want to be doing lots of number twos, yeah, eat lots of <laughs> eat lots of fibers. You'll have people who are on a carnivore diet boasting um, that they could practically. This is going to get really TMI now, but they boast <laughs> that they could live like people used to live in the wild. They have so little waste that they hardly need to use toilet paper. And if they do pass a movement... Is that a good thing? I mean, I, I don't know. that it, it, We're taught, aren't we, that it's, you know, to have a very sort of satisfactory large bowel <laughs> movement is, is a good thing. It's that things are... Um, sorry to get graphic here, but, you know, we're told that it's things moving through us. We're clearing out all the toxins. It's, it's the way our digestive system is meant to work, surely. It, why put it in in the first place? What goes in has to come out. I mean, seriously, the, the, the more fibre you put in. I used to be vegetarian. I declared that in, in one of our previous conversations. This is not some big reveal. Um, yeah. I tell you what, I produced far more waste as a vegetarian um, than I ever do as, as the person that I am now. And yes, I, I, I do eat fruit on a daily basis. I just don't eat as much as I would like to because I know it's sugar. I do yeah. eat, eat vegetables and salads. Um, I know they're not as healthy as sardines and liver, but I know they do bring some things to the party and they're really tasty and I really enjoy them. Um, and that's basically what then then goes through the next day. I, I'm aware that if I just ate meat and fish, which is what some people do in eggs, um, I, I wouldn't have that that kind of waste. But um, for some people, it really it really doesn't sit well with them. I mean, there's a fabulous study from the Far East that's quoted sometimes. I think I quote it in my fiber presentation where they took people with really, really extreme um, gastrointestinal problems. So, you know, terrible bloating to the point of um, tearing of the anus, um, you know, difficulty passing stools like you wouldn't believe. The, the real top of the notch people who mm. were suffering. 
and they asked them to do a experiment. It wasn't a randomized control trial. They just said to all of them, right, experiment, zero fiber. And I can't remember how long it was for, for a couple of weeks, four, six weeks or something. Took them off all fiber and then gave them the choice. Do you want to go back to eating fiber? And first of all, when they took them all off fiber, the reduction in symptoms was absolutely staggering. I mean, in most cases, they experienced zero of the symptoms that they had been suffering from. And for that reason, when they said to people, do you want to go back to eating fiber? Um, a lot of the, of, of, the, of the people in the study said, no, I'm, I'm not going back to that because it was making me bloated, constipated, um, in pain, trying to pass um, stools and all the rest of it. They just said, no, never going back to that again. So it's not for everyone. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's not, is it? Which I think is something that we're learning more and more, that there is no one size fits all. And it, it so much is predetermined by our genes or by what's happening with our gut microbiome and how we absorb certain nutrients, how our bodies respond. But coming back to this study, which you so brilliantly unpicked, I think that the study actually was to look at what was the optimal intake yeah. of fruit and veg yeah. for, for mortality. So i.e., how much of the fruit and veg should we be eating to prevent coronary yeah. heart disease and cancers and respiratory disease, mortality? You know, surely was there some correlation there? Was there some protection given? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you've used the right words there because this was straight out of the Harvard, what I call the epidemiology factory, um, because they just published papers the whole time. They examined the same two studies. So they look at the nurses health study, which gives us women. This is all for the U.S., 
and they look at the health professionals follow-up study, which gives us men. And in this case, they looked at 67,000 women from the nurses' health study and 42,000 men from the health professionals follow-up study. And they pulled those guys. So first of all, since it's epidemiology, we know that the only thing that we can establish is an association. So they put them into quintiles, which was a good start. So they put them into equal sized groups of person years. And it was something like 364,000 person years in each group. So I always go to look at the raw data in the paper. And I hardly ever even read the narrative other than at the end, when I've looked at the data, I go back to see what they think it said and then see what I thought it said. So I looked at the raw data and in quarter one, which was the lowest intake with the nurses, they had 106 incidents per 10,000 years. And that was in total mortality. And then you're right, as you say, there was heart disease, cancer. They looked at all the subgroups of mortality. But let's stick at the top level. Let's go to total mortality. So quarter one, 106 incidents in 10,000 years. Quarter five, 107 incidents in 10,000 years. Now, in the so men, yeah, nothing. And in the men, it was even more interesting. So quarter one, 136 incidents. Quarter five, 164. So more incidents in the highest intake group. And that's before adjustment. That's the raw data. So you go back to look at the characteristics table and you realise, as happens all the time, you'll be familiar with this, when you look at people with the worst diet, the lowest in intake of fruit and veg, because it is a, an indicator of affluence and an indicator of a generally good diet. I don't think it helps. I don't think it's causal. I think it's a marker of what healthy people eat. Um, so you went to look at them and, and sure enough, quarter one, the lowest intake were twice as likely to be smokers, more likely to be drinkers, less likely to take supplements, more likely to have hypertension, um, what was the other biggie? Far less likely to be active or vigorously active. So we had the classic healthy person confounder. So the person not eating fruit and veg is not healthy. And the person eating fruit and veg is healthy. And I always ask the question, do healthy people eat fruit and veg or does eating fruit and veg make you healthy? I think healthy mm. people eat fruit and veg. But if you can put those two things that I've just said together, so there's either no difference in the raw data or there's actually quite considerable greater incident rate in the higher intake group. That's before adjustment. Then you're supposed to adjust for the fact. Adjustment. Exactly. Then you're supposed you're there. You've got it. Then you're supposed yeah. to adjust for the fact that Q1 was unhealthy. So you would expect the advantage to swing even more in favour of Q1. Yes. And it didn't. It swung the other way around. So the study is showing that the more fruit and veg you eat, the the more at risk you are of dying from some severe disease. From the raw data, yes. And then when they from adjusted the Now, that's it, not necessarily what we're advocating no. here to stop eating all fruit and veg. We're, no. we're literally saying, what does the study say? Yeah. People are, are talking about this and they're quoting, must have our five a day, you know, coming yeah. back to the original, the original question, really, where did all this come from? And what is the science? What is the evidence to support that claim? Yeah. And it's it's not in this study. So I've actually written to the authors. Um, I've chased. I mean, I, this is probably a bit, a bit mean because I wrote to them this time last week when I was working on the note. And then I've chased this week. So, you know, I think most researchers should be able to get back. If you're the named author on a paper, I mean, I would get back to you within 24 hours if I just had a paper published. But But there you go. Um, and I understand that. So this went in the complete opposite direction after the adjustment when it should have gone even more in favour of the lower intake group. 
And then the real genius of the study was that they actually then managed to get it so that it wasn't the highest intake group that was actually best. And they were averaging about seven portions a day. They decided that quartile, quintile four was the best. And that was where they were averaging about 5.2 portions a day. Oh, so, convenient. <laughs> the conclusion <laughs> they came to, the headline of the paper was that five a day is optimal. And even if you have more than this, it's not any more optimal. And as soon as I Isn't saw that, that extraordinary. I just laughed. I said, OK, so 30 years ago, we made up five a day. We picked it out of the air. We picked it off a tree. And here you guys are 30 years later and you've just post-rationalised it for us, except you haven't, you little monkeys. Just a bit of a manipulation of the data. I'm just so grateful that we have people like you around in the world, Zoe, because, you know, you, you do take the time and you have the brain and the knowledge and the understanding and the experience to go through this forensically looking at line by line what does it mean and so often it does the data doesn't show what we're led to believe it shows yeah and that's kind of why I do what I do you know is that flash liquid or Mr Muscle or whatever it is you know someone does the hard work so that you don't have to you know I like to think (laughs) I spend my whole week trying to get to the I mean some days it's really quick that one was surprisingly quick because it's home turf I spotted what they'd done quite quickly it's like okay this is going to be a a one or two day note this week this is not going to be a six or seven day note going up against the wire on Monday morning um but yeah it's so brilliant tell everybody how we can subscribe to your notes because they are so well worth reading oh thank you I mean just go to zoeharcom.com z-o-e-h-a-r-c-o-m-b-e.com um, and there's some good stuff on Open View as well. You know, I, I try to put some stuff on Open View and then keep a bit just so that somebody will give me a pound a week and then I can buy a steak every now and again. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Whether or not you have your green veggies alongside it. <laughs> I do. I do like them. I really do, actually. Yeah. yeah, same, same. Zoe, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come back and joining us today. Oh, Thank thanks you. for having me. Well, a great discussion, as always, from Zoe. And she also has some brilliant videos, by the way, on YouTube, which you might like to take a look at. And she is worth a follow on Twitter. You can find her as Zoe Harkham or Dr. Zoe Harkham, PhD. Well, just time to take a quick look at some reviews and comments over on iTunes. Thank you very much for taking the time to leave these. And just to show that I don't only read out the good ones... Here is one from a lady who has left me a review. On the 16th of March, um, her name is Ninush27, whatever that means. Uh, And it was really in response to my podcast with Dr. Louise Newson about stopping HRT and that comment made by Dr. Martin Skur in the Daily Mail, which was completely false. Um, And she says, stopping HRT does cause the return of symptoms. I'm talking from personal experience. Dear, I think your advice is totally inappropriate, especially concerning is your confidence claiming these unproven facts. Shocking, really. Oh dear. Uh, secondly, why the general public needs to know about ivermectin. Oh dear, she goes on about that one. Okay, well, let me come back to that, uh, Ninish. I don't know if you're listening to this. You've probably given up as you go on to criticise me. But no, I, I repeat again, stopping HRT does not 
cause the return of symptoms. So listen to what I say specifically on this, okay? It does not cause the return. If the symptoms are there anyway, it simply won't help alleviate them. So if you say your symptoms returned, they didn't return, they just never went away. You know, symptoms of menopause can carry on for 10, 20 years or more. So it's not just that HRT is going to put them on pause, HRT solves them while you take it. And then if you stop taking it and they're already there, still there, then they would have still been there anyway. It doesn't stop them. So that's entirely different from saying that the stopping of HRT causes their return. It simply doesn't. That's a fact. It's like saying that stopping taking an aspirin will cause a headache to return. Well, it won't, will it? You either have the headache or you don't. So I'm sorry to labour the point here, but it's important. And it's annoying when people leave reviews that are both inaccurate and unhelpful. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, just so that you're aware, I've written four books on the menopause. I've recorded dozens of podcasts on the menopause. I'm the founding ambassador for the Menopause Society. Uh, but more importantly, actually, I've interviewed scores of leading medics from all over the world on the subject. I've had my work reviewed by Mr. Nick Panay. He's the consultant who's leading in this area. He's chair of the International Menopause Society, no less. And in fact, when I wrote my guide, The Truth About HRT, I asked him to review it. And he said that he would not only review it, but endorse it with this quote. And he says, um, quote, as a healthcare professional who's managed menopause-related issues for many years, I strongly believe that the valuable information provided by Liz in her book should be essential reading for women of all ages. And that is left by consultant gynaecologist, Mr. Nick Panay. Interesting, actually, looking at my reviews from professionals, Professor Michael Baum, who is probably one of the world's leading breast cancer oncologists. He was the lead at the Royal Marsden. He was the lead researcher on the tamoxifen trials. I similarly asked him to review my booklet because it's all about HRT, particularly and, and breast cancer. And he says, quote, Lizelle's e-booklet does a brilliant job of safely steering the worried women through this minefield to a safe and comfortable outcome on the other side. So there you go. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it, as my mother would say. Anyhow, um, actually, to your point about ivermectin, you're saying that this is something that should be left for doctors in the UK to prescribe. And my point here, actually, on my podcast previously, was that after interviewing several doctors on this subject, they are simply not allowed to, for whatever reasons possibly political going on behind the scenes. And this is despite medics in most other countries around the globe prescribing it very successfully and very safely for COVID. And, you know, part of my job as a researcher, as a writer, as a reporter, is to call this information out clearly, and I shall continue to do so. Anyway, uh, other reviews, I'm very pleased to say, are a little bit more measured and positive. Let's take a look. So this one on the 19th of March, uh, left by Country Lover 500, uh, who says, excellent balanced views on health. One of my favourite podcasts. The programmes are always well-researched and relevant to our lives today. Liz is a brilliant interviewer, letting her expert guests speak with passion on their areas of expertise. I particularly enjoyed the episode with Dr. Asim Malhotra. Well, that was last week. Gosh, that is a good one, isn't it? Um, I apologise about the recording quality, by the way 
anyway, we did have some issues down the line with Dr. Asim, but thank you for bearing with us because what he has to say is very, very good. Um, I would love to hear more about his thoughts around heart health, particularly what markers we should take notice of if we are to discount cholesterol. Really good point, um, Country Lover 500, and that is on my list to come back to. I think there's so much misinformation around saturated fat and cholesterol, so much confusion a lot of vested interest, again, as usual, unfortunately, in this area. So I am definitely going to do that. So please stay tuned. Um, another review, just the last one I'll read out here by Heli Deb. This was left on the 20th of March, who says, practical, relevant, empowering and unbiased advice and information. Thank you, Liz and team. Keep up the great work. I'm very grateful for what I have and I'm learning, especially to do with menopause and the treatment of the symptoms. What a difference it has made to me. It's so good to hear about the incredible value of taking vitamin C and D and the importance of simple but nutritious food for our immune system, something I'm passionate about but so often missed by the medical profession. And that is signed Molly W. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, from today's discussions with Zoe Harkham, it's so easy, isn't it, to see how data and information, even when it's there, can be manipulated and misrepresented. Well, at the end of today, if you are after a little more light relief, perhaps, uh, we have some fabulous new Liz Loves discount codes. You can grab those if you're interested. You can find them all on lizarwellbeing.com. I won't go into them all. There are too many to count, but there are lots of fun things. If you want to check them out, perhaps for the weekend, you'll find them on my website under Liz Loves. Lots to enjoy. Um, also, last call, actually, there are a few, just a few very special subscription gifts to go along new magazine subscriptions. This is a lovely gift, actually. It's the Olverum Sleep Spray. It's worth £25. It's beautifully boxed. It would make a lovely gift either for you or someone you love. It's completely free right now with any magazine subscription, which is already on discount. So it's a double deal. Uh, so do grab those while stocks last, either for yourself or as a treat for a loved one, maybe as a healthier alternative to the ubiquitous chocolate egg, perhaps this Easter. Well, that is it for this week. Don't forget to click the subscribe button if you would like to hear my next podcast. And if you can, do please give the five-star button rating a little click at the end here. It really does help our smaller voice get noticed amongst all the big podcaster noise. Well, until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details